An angel of the Lord told Philip in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, to go to the road that connects Jerusalem to Gaza. This was a desert place, barren. But Philip finds life in the desert. An Ethiopian treasurer for Queen Candace of Ethiopia, a eunuch, one who could not have relations even if he wanted to. But he put his energy into a great task. The account says that he had great authority. This treasurer was sitting in a chariot in the desert. He had been to worship in Jerusalem and was returning, we assume, to home, a distance of about 1,500 miles. This man had God on his mind. You can relate. When you leave here many times, you have God on your mind. You leave the building here and think about what's been said, what's been sung, what's been prayed for. The Ethiopian... He had God on his mind. He had been to Jerusalem to worship. And this official is reading from the book of Isaiah, the account says, what we would call Isaiah 53. Philip, at the prompting of the Spirit, the the account says, went to the man. He heard what he was reading. And from this point, questions were raised and asked and answered. And we don't know all that was said. Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We know what was said. Maybe not the exact words or the inflection or, or the tone of voice or, or the mood, but we know what was said. The Scriptures say that Philip preached Jesus to him. And as they went down the road and came to some water, the man who had just that day been to worship in a Jewish worship, reading an Old Testament prophet, was talked to about Jesus. And now he knew. Now he knew enough to ask the question. That's our question for the evening. In Acts chapter 8, verse 36, a question that I want some of you to ask at the end of this sermon. But I am mindful of the fact that the majority of the audience this evening who hear my voice are Christians. And on this night, when we look at this New Testament question, I want you to look at the first part of the eunuch's question. In verse 36, we have the question tonight, and I, I use the first half of this question to ask you, Christian, what hinders you? What hinders you? This question is better asked of yourself. Ask yourself, What hinders me? How are you hindered in this life? Hinders you from what, you might ask. Well, fill in the blank. From being a good husband. What hinders you from being a good wife? What hinders you from being a good child, a good teacher, a good student? Allow me to paint your question with a, with a broad stroke. 
If you are a Christian husband, a, a Christian mom, a Christian boss, what hinders you from living the Christian life? What hinders you? The life described in the New Testament that obeys God and is not divided with one leg in the world. What hinders you from that life? First, and again, this is a broad stroke. I intend this sermon to not only be applicable to us here at Fountainhead, but also if I ever preach a gospel meeting somewhere. I wrote this with the church as a whole in mind, not just, not just Fountainhead. But if one of these broad brushstrokes paints you, be aware. Be aware. What hinders you? To some, a lesser degree, but to some, a very great degree, is a lack of spiritual leadership. A lack of spiritual leadership hinders some. This is a, there's a great need for leadership in the church. I baptized a young man not long ago and he wanted a list on how to act as a Christian. We looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11 through 11 at that list. But we spent most of our time in Timothy and in Titus. I told him I wanted him to be an elder someday and that he was lacking in any of those qualifications to make it right. Because we need good leaders in the churches of Christ today. In the book of Exodus, chapter 32, we see God's children without leadership turning to other things. Aaron was no help. He was no help. We need men like Moses in our congregations. We need men like Moses who are not afraid to stand up to the truth. We need men who are not afraid to stand up to the people when we go astray. We have a great need for teachers. But you know, Bible class starts in the home. Parents, our Christian life is hindered today. It is unfulfilled because we do not teach our children about God and we leave it up to others to do the job. We need teachers in the church passionate about their subject unafraid of the tough questions, wise enough to say, I don't know, and intelligent enough to find out the answer. Jesus Christ purchased us with His own blood. And elders, it is a blood-bought Christian whom you are charged with in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Deacons are appointed for the bills. Deacons are appointed for benevolence. And deacons are appointed for bridal showers. We don't need you there, elders. What we could have in the church, though, what we could have in the church of God is teachers, preachers, parents, elders who really care about the truth. And teach the truth. Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 15 that he fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul exhorted and commanded Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2, preach the word when people want to hear it and when people don't want to hear it. If 
This is done. The kingdom of God will grow in a way that God wants it to grow. With the foundation on the truth. But the way things are now, there's a lack of leadership and there's a lack of spiritual insight in the church that has not been seen for years. In 2008, the Barna Group did a study and defined half of the United States population that embraces the Christian label as what they called notional Christians. Just whenever you take a notion, you're a Christian. This label he described by their percentages. Only 32% list being active in the church as desirable. That's a notional Christian. 65% of the group say being close to God is desirable. Just 65%. That's a notional Christian. Just when you take the notion to be a Christian. And only 46% said being deeply committed to the Christian faith is desirable. George Barner, Barner writes this. He said, The only outcome that notionals deemed to be more highly desirable than did the other half of Christendom was owning the latest household technology and equipment. That's what notional Christians think is important. Jesus, speaking to the apostles, said in Matthew chapter 24 of what will happen from then till the end. He said in verse 11, Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. And folks, that's how it is in 21st century America. That's how it is in 21st century Tennessee. That's how it is in 21st century Sumner County in Portland, Tennessee. Love for God and His Word and the truth has grown cold. Jesus said some hard sayings about eating His flesh, drinking His blood in John chapter 6. You remember when He said that? And Jesus asked this great question, Does this offend you? Are you offended? Out of Jesus' own mouth, He said in John chapter 6, verse 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And then this short telling sentence, a sentence that condemns the ages. Verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe. You just don't believe. That's the way it is. You lack spiritual insight. You're tired of the Christian life. It holds no sway over you anymore. But, but, Christians who thirst for knowledge, Christians who thirst for knowledge and they care about God's Word, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's how it can be. We add to our faith goodness 
and to our goodness knowledge and to our knowledge self-control and to our self-control perseverance and to our perseverance godliness and to our godliness brotherly kindness and to our brotherly kindness we add love. We understand that without faith it's impossible to please God and that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And we can abide by the Word of God, 1 John 2 verse 3, by this we know Him if we keep His commandments. We understand that. By doing so, we can have a level of spiritual insight where the love of God is perfected. We do not have to be ashamed if we rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Yet, with a lack of spiritual leadership and a lack of spiritual insight, we, we find not just in our society, but in the church. A great concern with worldly success. It's very easy in the 21st century in America for the Christian to associate with evil. You know, even our older members, who should by now be wise, but even our older members are like King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 14, who have allowed others to turn their hearts to other gods and into a heart that is no longer loyal to the Lord. Love of the world, 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Bondage to the weak and beggarly elements, Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, leads to a loss of spiritual enthusiasm. What you've done is you've left your first love, Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. But Christians, we can truly put the world behind us. We can truly put the world behind us and regain that zeal, regain that enthusiasm that we've lost. We can, Jude 3, contend earnestly for the faith. There is only one faith, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. We can, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that we do be done with love. But most of the time, most of the time we don't think in such high tones. I mean, who can really be a Christian all the time? I mean, who can really be a Christian 24-7? Come on now. We are more pro to lead, more prone to lead a shallow life. Luke chapter 8, verse 13, a life of distractions. Many times we're like, ooh, what's that? And oh, what's that? We get focused. Oh, what's that? We're so distracted in our lives today. There's a lot to distract us. We lead a self-absorbed life our hearts are filled with our own ways. We are backsliders. Proverb writer wrote in Proverbs 14, 14. And this shallow, self-absorbed life leads to an empty life. Jesus said of the empty life, Luke chapter 11, verse 26, the last state of that man is worst, worse than the first. Our empty lives do not please God. The Hebrew writer quotes the prophet Habakkuk in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. 
And this is a long-standing principle of God. He says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God takes no pleasure in our leaderless, spiritually insignificant associations with evil, nor in our shallow, self-absorbed, empty lives. God takes no pleasure in it. Do not be deceived anymore. God is displeased. We can have a life that's full. We can have a life, Christian brothers and sisters, that's abundant. We can have, in the body of Christ, the church, we can have it all. We can have all the good things of God. That's what He wants for us. He wants that for us. He doesn't want the bad things. He wants the good things. Speaking of Jesus, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, And He, God the Father, put all things under His, Christ the Son's feet, and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, which fills all in all. That's where the fullness is. What hinders you? What hinders you from all the fullness of God? What's keeping you from living a full Christian life? Will you be honest enough to explain that to yourself? What hinders you from all the fullness of God? What hinders you from living the Christian life? Are you going to blame your leaders? Are you going to blame the world? Are you going to blame mama? Are you going to blame daddy? Look back at Acts chapter 8, verse 36. The man in the chariot was taught by Philip. Philip taught him about Jesus. At some point, Philip talked about the need for baptism because this intelligent, spiritual man now asked the question, see, here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? What hinders some of you from being baptized? What hinders some of you? This man who asked this question had something that those of you who won't be baptized, and he had something that those of you who won't live a Christian life have. He had something you don't have. What hinders you from living a Christian life? What hinders you from being baptized? One word. Desire. You don't want it. You don't have the desire for it. You don't have the stomach for it. It takes a stomach to fight a war. 
And that's what we're in. He wanted it. This Ethiopian eunuch on his way home from a worship service, when he was told the truth, he wanted it. He desired it. You've got to want it, folks. You've got to desire it. If you've lost it, you can regain it. If you never had it, you can have it tonight. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Whoever drinks of this water, Jesus said, will be filled, so that your joy may be full, and you will know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And if you have put Christ on in baptism, John chapter 1, verse 16, His fullness we have all received and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What hinders you from being baptized? What hinders you from living a Christian life? Let nothing stand in your way today. Come right now. As together we stand and sing.